0: Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus.
1: Lord, he whom you love is ill.
2: But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory so that the Son of God may be glorified through it.
0: Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples,
2: Let us go to Judea again.
0: The disciples said to him,
1: Rabbi, some Jews were just now trying to stone you. Are you going there again?
0: Jesus answered,
2: Are there not 12 hours of daylight?
0: but they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly,
2: Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him.
0: Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples,
1: Let us also go, that we may
2: die with him.
0: When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days.
1: I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day.
0: Jesus replied to her,
2: I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him,
1: Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world.
0: When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary, and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him,
1: Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died.
0: When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said,
2: Where have you laid him?
0: They said to him,
2: Lord, come and see.
0: Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he have opened the eyes of the blind... Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind
1: man have kept this man from dying?
0: Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said,
2: Take away the stone.
0: Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him,
1: Lord, already there is a stench, because he had been dead four
0: days. Jesus said to her,
2: Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God?
0: So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said,
2: Father, I thank you for having heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me.
0: When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice,
2: Lazarus, come out. The
0: dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them,
2: Unbind him and let him go.
0: Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. The word of God for the people of God.
2: Thanks Thanks be be to God.
1: Thank you to the choir for the wonderful anthem and to all the readers for bringing the scripture alive this morning. We live in a world that is subject to brokenness. Things change and fall apart. Friends betray one another, those that we would hold on to forever sometimes slip through our fingers, no matter how much we will them to stay. In Lent, we are led to look at the world, to look at ourselves with clear eyes. We cannot pretend not to see the pain, heartache, and tragedy that sometimes seems to be all around. For Ezekiel, this tragedy was on a national scale. He was born around 623 BC into a priestly family. Though the nation of Judah was a subject state of Assyria, they had worked out this arrangement that was mutually prosperous. Judah controlled the thriving olive industry. By the time Ezekiel was in his teens, he saw sweeping religious revival and reform under the great king, Josiah a great hope to the nation. The Assyrian Empire had significantly weakened, and so the people of Judah had more flexibility and independence to live as they saw God leading them. But after Josiah was killed in 609 and the Assyrian Empire crumbled, Egyptians and Babylonians fought for control of the land of Israel. The new king offered tribute to the Babylonians and even gave him some members of the royal family as hostages to try to preserve the holy city. The people fought against the Babylonians. There was an 18-month-long siege of Jerusalem, but to no avail. The people were starving and many innocent were slain, old and young, male and female. Judah was ultimately taken over by the Babylonian Empire. The Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem and the temple, ransacking its precious goods. They exercised dominance and control over the people of Israel with mass casualties and exiling them from their homeland. In 597, Ezekiel went into captivity and exile with many Judeans to keep the word of God alive in their midst. Ezekiel is a prophet to a people who are lost and who have lost much, almost everything. He must prophesy to a people who are barely hanging on. Being caught up in the Lord's power, Ezekiel is taken to a valley of dry bones. Countless people, long since dead, And the Spirit of the Lord asks him, mortal, can these bones live again? This question is a challenge. Perhaps it's a rhetorical question. From our reason, we could say, no, bones don't live again. From our experience and frustration and uncertainty about justice coming to pass, or things always working out right, we would say, That's just not how it works. Ezekiel says, Lord God, only you know. In our gospel lesson, Mary and and Martha aren't coping with a great national tragedy. Their worries are personal, intimate. They're scared for their brother, Lazarus. His illness is more than they can tend to themselves, a danger to their fragile family. And Jesus is so close to them all that when they send a message to him, all it says is, Lord, he whom you love is ill. They don't even need to say his name, Lazarus. Jesus knows. The name Lazarus means God is our help. And the sisters cry out to Jesus, Jesus, be our help. Come to our aid. Shockingly, Jesus gets this message and stays where he is for two days longer. The sisters' message was urgent. It was touched with desperation, and Jesus didn't come. In fact, he didn't even start his journey to Bethany until he knew that Lazarus had died. Martha won't wait for him to show up at her door. In her grief and confusion, maybe anger too, she marches out to meet him on his way and says words that are all too familiar to each of us who grieve. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus comes to the house, Mary confronts him too. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus wept together with her. Mortal, can these bones live again? And Ezekiel answers, Lord God, only you know. Jesus tells Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Martha says, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When nations are destroyed, when generations are wiped out, when loved ones get sick and die, where is God? Why doesn't God step in and do something? Is the, land, uh, the Lord's hand too short to save? Does God intervene in our world? When things go wrong for so long, or even if one thing goes terribly wrong enough, it can feel like God must be either powerless or uncaring. We want grand gestures for ourselves, miracles on demand, and if we don't get them, sometimes we don't really know what to do with God. If we know evil to be so powerful, then how powerful is our God? In the Old Testament, there is a phrase that occurs about 80 times. It's in Exodus nine times, but it's like a refrain in the book of Ezekiel, 62 times. And it's some variation of this. You will know that I am the Lord when. These passages each deal with catastrophes, despair, and doubt with a powerful message about who God is. When the people languish under Egyptian bondage, Exodus six seven says, "I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. You shall know that I am the Lord who has freed you from the burdens of the Egyptians." Earlier in Ezekiel chapter thirty four verse twenty seven, we hear this prophecy. They shall be secure on their soil, and they shall know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and save them from the hands of those who enslaved them. But perhaps no passage includes a statement so striking about the power of the Lord as the one from Ezekiel 37. The Lord proclaims, I am opening your graves I will raise you up from your graves, my people, and I will bring you to Israel's fertile land. You will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you up from your graves, my people. I will put my breath in you and you will live. I will plant you on your fertile land and you will know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will act, says the Lord. A valley of bones could never live again. A man who died of an illness is beyond our power. But do we know the power of the Lord? Do we dare dream of the miracles and wonders that God weaves into the fabric of our existence? Can we stand in the face of the logic of despair and say, all things are possible with God? The one who formed us from the clay, the one who first breathed life into us and picked us up from the dirt, this one makes a way when there is no way. This one works and we do not always see it, this one works things for good and for justice and for the consummation of the kingdom of heaven on earth. When we face the darkness and danger, it is good to tremble and, yes, even to grieve. But we must fight despair. As Jesus wept with Mary and Martha, someone asked, could not he who the eyes of the blind man not have kept this man from dying mortal can these bones live again do you believe in the resurrection Jesus said did I not tell you that if you believe you would see the glory of God our simplest confession of faith since the beginning of the church is this Jesus is Lord, and raising Lazarus from the dead is perhaps the most profound demonstration that Jesus gave to all those present, that he is Lord. Many can heal, many can teach wisdom, even minor miracles we might be able to explain, but only God can resurrect. Only God can place the breath on our lips and spark us to life. God's power moves through our world. Back in December in 2010, I made my first visit to Louisville Seminary to see if that was where God might be calling me to study. I was skeptical about moving to Kentucky. Kentucky, but I had a wonderful experience meeting professors and students, attending worship and asking questions. The morning I was to drive the eight hours back to North Carolina, it had started to snow. Now, I grew up near the beach in Virginia. It snows even less there than it does here, if that gives you an idea. By that, I mean that they used to cancel snow when they forecasted snow. It didn't actually have to, no actual flakes, they would just cancel it. This had left me rather unprepared as a winter weather driver. But looking out at the fluffy flakes coming down, I figured that surely they took better care of their roads in Kentucky than they did back home, and I figured with eight hours to go, I had better get in gear. So I ignored my nerves, I turned up the music, And I drove 60 down the highway in the left lane, like you do. About a half an hour east of Louisville, my car started to skid. It all happened so fast, but everything slowed down in my head and my thoughts were swimming. The car is spinning. I'm driving too fast. I'll probably hit the rail or some other cars it's all my fault. I, I hope I don't hurt anyone else. But my prayer in that moment startled me as much as anything else that was happening, like the Spirit was praying for me. Lord, I made a mistake, and I might get badly injured or die. That's okay. Maybe I deserve it. If you want me, if, if this is all that you had for me to do, I will come back to you. And, and then time flowed normally again. I ended up facing the wrong way in the same left-hand lane that I had been driving in. But the person in the car behind me slowed down to a skid-free stop a few feet from my bumper. And she looked at me and I looked at her. Somehow, everything and everyone was okay. My engine had stalled, so I I turned the car back on and I, I pulled over to the shoulder and sat there in shock for about 60 seconds before I realized that if I stayed there any longer, I would lose my nerve and I would never make it home. So I kept on driving, very slowly, and I got home safe and sound about 11 hours later without wasn't taking any chances. For me, that moment was impossible, but God let me live unscratched. The power of God came from nowhere and made it possible for me to be where I am today. I couldn't ask for it, I couldn't expect it, but God provided it. And by doing that, issued a challenge not to underestimate how God works in our world. As we follow Christ, as we affirm him as Lord and Savior, we know that we are not always spared injury and heartache. We know that. We know that the world is still plagued by evil. But we also know that in Christ, we will live again. We will be whole again. We will be restored to one another, and we will rest in heavenly peace if the valley of the dry bones can come alive, if Lazarus, who is decaying, can wake and walk once more, if God has brought us safe thus far, we can trust God to let amazing things flourish. We can make our lives an offering of love and service, trusting that God will water the seeds that we plant and transform them into places of shade and sustenance for many more to follow. Despair claims that evil has the final word. Hope proclaims that the final word belongs to Christ, and he is not done with us yet. Amen.